Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Dave Wakeman. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Booking Protect, the global leader in refund protection. Any listing, any sector, anywhere, Booking Protect has you covered with the global leader in refund protection. Find out how you and your organization can partner with Booking Protect to offer your guests a better, more customized buying experience, greater peace of mind in their purchases, and how the Booking Protect partnership can create a brand new revenue stream for you. Find out more by visiting www.bookingprotect.com. Once again, that's www.bookingprotect.com, the global leader in refund protection. My guest today is a good friend of mine, Michael Hughes from Audience View. And I wanted to have Michael on, uh, not just because he's a friend of mine and not because he likes the Spurs, uh, but because Michael comes and works with Audience View as a someone who goes out and talks to colleges. And I thought it was interesting to have Michael come on and talk about his experience of going from the college side to a technology provider. Um, because one of the things that was re- is really fascinating from knowing Michael is that he really just loves the environment of colleges. And for a long time, if you're working at one specific college, you don't necessarily get to go out and discover best practices or learn and share things um, in a way. So working for Audience View has provided him a great opportunity to go out and express his joy and his love of college in a different way. And it's allowed him to develop new best practices, new ideas, um, and it's actually allowed him to take some of his old ideas that he learned in previous roles and apply them to new set of clients. So uh, we got into that. We talked about innovation. We talked about technology. We talked about a, a whole lot of interesting stuff um, that I think will open your eyes about applying ideas in new ways. So it's Michael Hughes and me on the Business of Fun podcast. I want to welcome my good friend Michael Hughes from Audience View to the Business of Fun podcast. Michael, what's happening? Hey, Dave, how's it going? Not too much out here in Denver, Colorado. It's good. Let me ask you a question. Um, people are not going to know this, that we have this ongoing conversation about music and uh, Tottenham Hotspur f- uh, football. But what are you listening to in your office today? Ooh. You know what? I actually haven't put music on quite yet because uh, – like you mentioned, Tottenham Hotspur, I have this love of, of English sports, and the World Darts Championship started yesterday, uh, so I've been listening to the darts announcers in the background most of the morning. Oh, well, the, the guys, that when I tell you what I was listening to before we started doing this, which you knew it was Radiohead, I had a head on because you could hear it through my microphone, but before that, I was listening to the Last Word of Spurs, pot, uh, Last Word on Spurs podcast, um, and the Spurs songs on there are fantastic, and my eight-year-old, he sings them to me uh, almost every morning. Also, he will sing them to himself at night when he goes to bed, but that's you know a whole different conversation for my Spurs podcast that I have not started yet. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I'll have to be a guest on that one, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. I got a lot of them. Who knew that the Spurs were like a huge team in, uh, in America? Root for the good guys, you know? Yeah. But but thanks for doing this because I thought that, um, you know, besides being a friend of mine, I thought you have a really interesting take on things that I, th- I thought people would um, gain a lot of perspective on and hopefully find something useful. Um, in your role with Audience View, I know that you are kind of uh, 
spend a lot of time on college campuses um, helping people either discover what they need in a ticket system or helping them uh, uh, switch to a new ticketing system or helping them maximize just whatever they're doing as far as uh, tickets go. Um, You know, so I wanted to have you on to talk about this because I guess one of the things from the conversations we've had over the years is your love of college and being on a college campus. Um, and where where did that come from? Because I know that like for far too many people, um, as soon as they can get out of school, they they want to get away, um, and then it be, you know, and yet you have made a career out of loving to go to college and being on a college campus. Yeah, so um, I my, my first uh, kind of run in with college, you know, back in when I was in high school, I was looking at schools. I was I grew up in Northeast Pennsylvania, um, and I had applied to. Temple, Drexel, Westchester, and then James Madison University. And the only reason I applied there was because my parents went there and my mom was like, we'll pay the application fee if you apply to JMU. I had no intention of going there ever in my life. Um, and every I went and visited the, the Philadelphia schools and, you know, kind of to whittle down the list a little bit. Um, and then finally kind of stacked up and went and visited JMU. I remember getting back in the car on Sunday morning and saying, send in the deposit. This is it. I'm going here. This is the greatest place in the world. Uh, still to believe that to this day. But once I got onto that campus, it just really was a cool experience for me. Um, I just – everything from the academic environment to the social environment, um, just being on that campus really changed my life and, and kind of my outlook and opened my world a lot. And then – I had the opportunity to stick around and work on that campus for another eight years after I graduated. Um, so it became just such a special place for me um, that I just really drew a big respect for the people that stuck around in college towns and did this work, um, especially in the athletics world where just, you know, nights and weekends and holidays and crazy hours. And it's really a labor of love, uh, truly. So, um, you know, it, it was just a really good experience for me, and, and that's kind of where it fell into it. Uh, and then I've just realized that going to college campuses is is oddly one of the most exciting things that I can do in my life. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of awesome. I mean, you know, I, I probably counted myself in that thing was as fast as I could get away from school, I did. And then, which is, I guess, interesting for me because um, – People probably think of me as the person who spends the most time like reading and studying and learning. Uh, but now that I'm not, don't have to be there. I love going. Right? It's you know, it's um, I've been to Villanova with my wife. Um, you know, we go to the, you know wherever I get a chance to experience a college atmosphere. It's great because I, I find there's ideas and you know. Uh, interesting people and interesting things being thrown around constantly. So, you know, so it's like a really great experience. Um, but the one thing you brought up that I, th- that I think probably will really help a lot of people was you talked about, um, you know, being in a college atmosphere for eight years at JMU, um, you know, and kind of being involved in that athletic department atmosphere and, um, you know, and then coming to audience view and kind of a, taking the mindset and the skills you've learned at JMU and helping organizations all over the country, you know, apply some best practices. Um, one of the things we, we talked about before we got on the podcast was you talked about the great variety of ways that people can do business. And I think I want to ask you about that a little bit, because I think sometimes we get trapped into this idea that there's a one size fits all approach to being good or bad at the way you run a business or you, the way you do something. And in your experience now, you get to see 
hundreds of, of what the, the way hundreds of organizations and businesses and schools do their business. Um, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's it's so interesting to me um, the way that that college athletics um, as a whole, as an industry, you know, there's a lot of best practices that that are one size fit all that any school can really apply to their operation um, in, in sort of a generic sense. But there's uh, for every one of those, there's probably a hundred ideas that only work at specific style institutions. Um, so once you kind of get into the granule level of, of college athletics and actually get down to the schools, um, it, they're so diverse in thought. Uh, you know, they all have different budget sizes. They all have different staff sizes and models. Um, things that that are important to them. You know, tradition is such a, a, a important thing on college campuses. So they have to weigh those traditions and how those play in to their decision making process. Um, so there's just this really interesting sort of, uh, diversity of thought in the industry. Uh, when you go to these, when I get to travel around and go to these different schools and see how they all operate, it's so cool to me to think back to my time at JMU and think, oh, I would have loved to taken what they're doing here, um, at this division two school and taken that and used it at JMU or things like, oh, hey, I may have done this at JMU, but this idea would not apply at this institution because they don't have the staff or the budget for it or, so, or the, the, the software capabilities, whatever the case may be. Um, so you really kind of got to – that's why the, the conversations around college athletics are so interesting to me <clears throat> because it's breaking <clears> – <throat> pardon me. It's breaking down those barriers and understanding um, what do you have to work with, what are the resources at your fingertips, um, and even so, you got to think a little pie in the sky sometimes because you never know what's going to happen. You may get this pie in the sky idea that takes some extra budget. You go present it to your your business office um, or something like that, and they go for it because they see the vision and they see the passion you have for it. You never know, um, so it's really cool to kind of see uh, these different institutions how they operate, how they think. And it's been really cool for me, too, because now I'm in a position where I get to take both my best practices and my experience in college athletics. And now I'm also working with a company that has solutions that are here to help that world, uh, help make their lives easier, help them push the envelope um, and really think outside the box, get creative, um, break the mold. So it's really cool that I kind of get to take my experience and tie it into what I do for, for work and go visit these campuses and have these great conversations with people. It's, it's usually very engaging and, and, and frankly, it's something I love to do. Yeah, no, and you brought up two words that I think are essential, right? Which is uh, creativity being the first one. Um, and then the second one you said was about having a vision, right? With the pie in the sky ideas. Um, you know how, and I know it's a little different, and, and I guess the way I want to ask the question is coming from your vantage point now, you know, how is that, you know, what you think is possible and what you think of as a pie in the sky idea, how is that different? And then how is it different now? How do you think about creativity differently now than you did before when you were internal as opposed to somebody who's external? Yeah, so, you know, it really. A lot of it has to do with attitude, um, and, and I didn't. That was not something that I realized very early on in my career. Uh, that was something that I really kind of needed to come uh, to grips with and, and have a, a more full understanding. Because you know, you go to these conferences, um, and 
you might see, you know, I'm, I'm working at James Madison or, or, you know, say anybody, someone who's working at, um, you know, Kent state, you know, you might be going to a conference and you uh, are listening to someone from UCLA speak and you're thinking, Oh wow. UCLA, John Wooden, you're thinking all the history, the tradition, the championships, um, at UCLA and you think, oh, how could I possibly learn anything from this person other than just be impressed by what they do? Because UCLA and Kent State are so different. So how could those pro- how could those apply? Well, you're, in some regards they are, but if you go into it with that attitude, then you're not going to get anything out of it. So going into it with a more open attitude of, hey, this is someone that works in my industry. They are a respected professional in my industry. Let me listen to what they have to hear let, or what they have to say. And let me see if I can t- turn around and apply that to things that we're doing. Um, so, you know, you might and, – and, and that really spans outside of the college industry. Think about um, sports in general. You know, a lot of people are looking at minor league baseball. Minor league baseball continues to be the envelope pusher when it comes to creativity, it seems. Um, all of the theme nights that they're doing, the crazy, you know, you saw some of these new teams that got rebranded or, or added this year. There's the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Um, you know what I mean? In what world in professional sports is Trash Pandas a good idea? Well, in minor league baseball, that works, and it works really well. And I guarantee you that place is selling – the crap out of some merchandise right now because I that's on my Christmas list and I have no, no ties to that program whatsoever. Um, so, you know, really thinking out, so when you get outside of your world and open up your mind a little bit, you might see these ideas and you might think, okay, cool. They've done this, this great, they've taken this great idea and I really like this idea. Think about, okay, how much is it going to cost me to do this? Do I have the budget for that? Um, what's the staffing needed to do this kind of a project? Um, do I have that at my fingertips? What kind of resources do I need in terms of time? Um, you know, do I have the time to do this? Do I have the uh, software abilities to do these type of things? Do what, what kind of capacities do I have? And as you start to break it down, you might find all of those boxes are no, 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 no. You know, so the simple answer there is to write it off and say, "Cool, this this idea would not work here. I'm going to write it off." But if you're really passionate, if you think this idea is a game changer, if you think that this actually may push the envelope, change a revenue flow, change a fan engagement idea, um, bring it to, to your, your administration. Bring it to your bosses. See what they have. Because if, if, if they empower you, they might see your vision and passion and want you to lead the charge on that. They might find that budget. They might find that staffing. They might – purchase that software that you need, you know? So there's all these different things that you just really have to take into account while you're looking at these different ideas. And, and that's, what's so cool about creativity to me is that you can kind of pick and choose. You can take two separate ideas, mesh them together, take the best out of both of them, or take the pieces out of them that fit your business model and put them together and come up with a great promotion. So I just, there's so many different avenues that you can kind of go down. Yeah, and I think what I like about your answer is the fact that there it's not so much the process of of, of utilizing the idea, right? Because obviously, um, depending on the size of your program, um, your traditions, the software, your budgets, you know, all these different factors come into place. It's unlikely that you're going to be able to take one idea 
from, let's say, I went to Alabama, right? So, you know, no way, that's no mystery to anybody. And apply that to JMU. Just because the scale and the scope of what Alabama does, has and does, is going to be entirely different from JMU. What you can do, though, is you can take the idea that maybe was successful at the University of Alabama and ask yourself a question, right? Which is like, knowing my situation, what can I take from this idea that would be applicable to me? And, you know, you don't have to take the whole idea. You can just take bits and pieces of it. And, and you know, I, I think that's sort of what you're saying is don't be wed so much to um, this is exactly how somebody did it. But this is what someone did. Look at the possibility here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, the possibilities are endless. That's the really cool thing about it. Um, you know, there, there's just so many different doors. I, and I remember finding myself in that rut when I was at JMU and thinking, oh, cool, I'm listening to someone in Alabama. Well, I, they've got all the staff that they could ever need, and they've got every piece of budget that they could ever want to do. And so you think, like, well, Alabama's got the cattle, the keys to the Cadillac, so what can't they do? Uh, but that's really not the case at all. You know what I mean? Like I was going to say, still, that's completely not the case. Though. Absolutely. But that's what I'm talking about. It's about your attitude. And I went into it with that attitude. And I, and I went into it closed-minded and thought, how could this person at Alabama ever give me things that, to help me be successful with my job at JMU? You know, they, they look down on us and all, you know. But that was, so, that was wrong of me to do. Um, and, and I learned that. And I learned that by – being out in the industry more, meeting these people and thinking, wait, this person that works at Alabama is just like me. They just took this job at Alabama because they applied for it and they got it. Uh, it's the same reason I ended up – well, it's different. I ended up at JMU because it was my alma mater and, and, and doors kind of opened for me when I was graduating um, that I sort of fell into. But it's about it's, – it's really – what I learned to do was imagine you're at a conference – you know, if you go to these college athletic conferences, everybody's wearing their school polos and stuff like that, and rightly so. You know, spread your brand, be proud of where you work, uh, wear your colors. But imagine everybody goes back to their hotel room at the end of the day, takes off the polo, just puts on a plain shirt, goes to the bar. Everybody sits down and starts talking. You don't talk about where you work. You don't talk about um, you know anything about that institution now you're just talking one college athletic professional to another it doesn't matter what the age difference is what the school difference is what the budget none of those things matter now you're just having conversations without the bias and that's what it was for me was i had this this biased lens that i was looking through once i removed that i realized no school or or or, or sports organization i should ever look at and say nope that doesn't apply to me because Yes, there are certain times where you can look at something and go, you know what, I've thought about this critically and this would not work at this institution because of X, Y, and Z reasons. And that's totally fine to do because that's absolutely true. But when you, when you take that unbiased lens off and you look at, talk to somebody in a, in a, at a different school that, that may not fit what you think is, is your type of school or conference that you're in um, – you really can can look at it more open mindedly and realize how can I get how can I to use the uh, the Apollo thirteen example here how can I fit the the square peg um, in a round hole? Yeah, no, that's a that's an interesting way of, of thinking about it too, and it brings up the question to me because now you've gone from the inside to the outside, right? Which is you know where I've been for many 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 years now, and. And so I, so I, I kind of know my answer to this, but I want to hear yours. It's like in your role now as coming in from the outside, 
um, helping organizations who maybe have, you know, they 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 do have a certain amount of, um, you know, you know they how do I, I don't want to say stagnation because that's uh, but they they just have sort of um, find themselves in the same doing the same things over and over again. How do you encourage them? to take these kind of ideas and, you know, apply new ideas or break out, out of some of the habits that they've maybe developed or the, like, you know, the kind of habitual patterns that they developed that maybe are holding them back. You know, I, that's, that's, that's a can of worms. <laughs> that's, uh, I think generically speaking, the, the, one of the simplest things I do, if someone wants to listen to what I have to say, which, you know, it's up to them. I don't, no skin off my nose if, if they don't care what I have to say. Um, but I, I think the one, the biggest thing that I, pre, that I preach at the beginning is take off, take off your bias. You're biased in some way, shape or form, whether or not you think, Oh no, no, I'm not biased. I mean, you are, you have it somewhere. Absolutely. I still do myself as well. Um, but really taking the time and effort to, to try to, to get outside of that and look at things with an open mind creates a completely different environment for your creativity um, because you're, you you handcuff yourself so much less. Uh, another part of that, that that I used to be afflicted with as well was the overwhelming amount of creativity in the sports world. Because again, you go to a conference and you just get overloaded of a, of a you know, week's worth of information, of listening to your peers, um, to talk about what they're doing at their institution. Listening to guys like you, you know, I sat in at your uh, one of your sessions at NACTA and got to to kind of just listen to the conversation that was being had, uh, and, and I thought that was super interesting. Um, just to kind of listen to those different peoples, and, and I think that even what I'm saying, I think that came up in the session I sat in. People were like, "Oh, well, the guy over there, at, at, the guy from Auburn, is talking about X, Y, and Z. Well, we can't do that at." the institution that I work at. So people have that. Um, so think outside and also being able to, um, like I said, there's so many different ideas, being able to pare it down, uh, really being able to just kind of take it in, make your notes and, and being able to go back and kind of digest it later because otherwise you find yourself overwhelmed. That's, I, I found myself on, or I found myself biased and overwhelmed a lot of the time. Um, so changing those attitude pieces for me were real big game changers for, for me getting better at what I was doing because once I did that and then I had more, also had more empathy for, for, um, uh, fellow coworkers in, in my offices. Um, and it was just so much easier for me to have a conversation with someone in my marketing department or development or sports information because I was more in tune and open to what they were doing and not just like, well, I work in the ticket office and this is what I do and you can't tell me what to, how to run my job because I do it better than you. Um, you know, so re it's, it's really, I think the, it's the attitude. Um, and, and I, I specifically remember having a change in attitude and, and that created new uh, avenues for me at JMU and has progressed my career to this point. So, so that was a big one for me was, was being happy about what I did, changing my attitudes and just being open-minded. Those were, those were really big things for me. Yeah, no, I, I think that totally makes sense because I have been reading this book and I will try to remember the link to it in the, um, 
the show notes. We call the Achievement Habit, and I don't have the author's name in front of me, but it does talk about some of the same things you're talking about, about seeing the world and being conscious of the way that you frame things to yourself, right? It's, it, the book is basically about applying a design thinking to the way you look at yourself and the world around you, um, you know, not just applying it to the way your, your product or service interacts with others um, and reframing things. But that's exactly right because I think it's, it becomes easy to look at things the same way over and over and over again, um, you know, because if you see something a certain amount of times, you you can become, I mean, really tied to the fact that that's the way it's always going to look. Um, and, you know, that may be the way it is because, I mean, you get better at doing things the more you do them. But at the same time, it does beg the question, is it, does this still matter? Does it, you know, it's like uh, the Peter Drucker question, which is like, if I were not in this business today, would I get into it? Right. And so you could add, yeah. apply it in your own life, right. Or to your own business and go like, well, if I was do, if I were, if I weren't already doing this program, this event, this, you know, this idea, would I do it? Right. And, you know, and if the answer is yes, then you go, well, how can I improve it? And if the answer is no, you're like, well, how do I get out of it? Um, you know, it seems sort of obvious, but I, I know from my own, and this is me, right. So don't blame Michael. This is me. Hey, <laughs> I don't do it nearly enough, <laughs> um, you know, and then like I'll go a couple, you know, a couple months down the road and I'll be like, why the hell am I still doing this? Right. And there's no reason for it except for the fact that like you kind of get, you, you allow yourself to get lulled to sleep sometimes. And, uh, you know, and I think the bias, it really does set in. It's there. It's not a, um, a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a thing you need to be conscious of. Right. And I think sometimes you, like you said, sometimes going to a conference can be great because you're just overwhelmed with new ideas and you meet all these new people with all these great ideas and you meet all these, you know, you see all these things and you do all these things and you experience something new because you're in a new city and you know, the whole deal. And it does two things, right? It breaks you out of the rut that you might have found yourself in, but then at the same time you oh, become yeah. overwhelmed because you're like, it's too much. It's like, I've gone from like searching in the desert for water to somebody turning a fire hose on me. Yeah. You know, and so you have to figure out a way to manage new ideas and manage the process of growth and change, which I don't, I know, um, and this probably especially applies when you have a new client, but I think probably it, it, it sees itself play out in all the conversations you have, which is like, how do you help your clients or, or how do you help yourself internally manage the process of change? Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's something that I, I, I think about constantly um, because like I was saying with, with when you get down to the granular level, each, each institution has a different um, you know, thought process, uh, business operations, budget size, staff size, all that kind of stuff. They think very differently. Um, so when I'm talking to you – know, I, I may be talking to 30, 50 schools and – they're all so different that, that I kind of have to change my approach with every conversation that I have, um, you know, because they all have different things that are important to them. Some may be looking to uh, adopt a, a, a ticket platform that has a heavier CRM basis to it. Great. I have that. I can tell you all about the CRM features because, yeah, we can sell tickets. We've already proved that. I think most people in the industry can do that pretty well. They can build a, a seating chart and say sell this seat when someone pays for it. You know, that's a relatively simple thing in, in today's world. Um, 
but tying in the other things like a CRM and being able to kind of track a sales pipeline if you're using a sales staff, uh, being able to track development, uh, fundraising tasks and goals, things like that. Um, you know, there's just so many more things that are outside of the, the tip, typical ticket operations realm um, that the platforms that Audience View provides can do. So the conversation is very different, you know what I mean? And, and, and I always let them drive that conversation. I want them to tell me what's important to them. I don't want to go in and say, this is what I did at JMU. This is what you should do here. End of story. No, I don't want to do that because that, that doesn't – because then I'm doing exactly what I'm telling you today on this podcast not to do. Open your mind. Be unbiased. You know, Let the creativity flow. If I come in and tell someone how to do their job – and first of all, people don't want to be told how to do their job. I, I certainly didn't when I was in college athletics. Um, so, so really letting the, the, the prospect, the clients drive that conversation, what's important to them. Um, and then on the flip side, when, when they're actually a client of ours, they're using our, our platforms, helping them, uh, empowering them to tell us what's important to them now that they're actually using the platforms. Because <clears throat> pardon me, then we get to develop our product roadmap uh, based on our client's feedback. Uh, and really, wh- why else would you do you – know, wh- how else would you create a, a product roadmap if you weren't doing it for your customers? Um, you know, that's so important. And, and I feel like we, we've probably had that conversation before about people are so uh, – there's this old business model where this is what we produced and this is what you're going to use because it's the latest and greatest and we think that everybody should be using this. Well, it's 2018. People think for themselves. They know what they want. Um, so why don't you let your customers do it? I mean Amazon's a great, great uh, example of that. You know, they're always saying, oh, customers bought this, also looked at this. Um, oh, hey, you've been making these type of purchases recently. Why don't you look at these things? You know, so they just do a great job of, of that cross-selling, but it's so much more than cross-selling. It's giving customers what they want, um, giving them different shipping methods and gift card and gift receipt options. You know what I mean? You really want to open it up. Um and, and that, to me, that's one of the biggest trends I've been seeing change in college athletics is, is breaking away from the classic season ticket model and saying buy season tickets, buy season tickets, buy season tickets. Now it's more of uh, you tell us what you want. We'll, we'll go ahead and create these flexible packages, but you're the customer. You know what your schedule is. You know if you've got to take kids to soccer practice on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So why don't you build a package that fits your, your schedule? And, and your price point. Um, and, and so it's taking that same approach and applying it to what I do and saying, tell me what I can do to help you because that's really what I want to do. I, I want you to give me ideas on how we can make our platform stronger. I want you to give me ideas on how I can show you the things that you want to see and not waste your time. Um, so that's been really important to me is, 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 is listening, honestly, really listening. If you're still there, I can't hear you right now. Oh, okay, sorry, I, I had the mute button on. <laughs> um, but what I was saying was, is that this seems like to wrap, kind of circle back to where we started, right? Which is, yeah, like, if you were talking about your experience at JMU, and then like the experience now, where you have the opportunity to see people all over the country and understand things from 
many different vantage points. Um, that the product roadmap, it, it seems that you that you guys are developing, seems like a really great way that you have used, um, that you take that knowledge you've gained and apply the knowledge you already have along with the new knowledge and pull it all together in a way that helps improve the offering you have for your clients, number one. Yeah, yep. I mean, that would seem like the, the important thing. But the other great thing here, and this is in no way meant as a advertisement for audience view, um, if even if it does sound like it, it, it it's it, it's not because I am always overwhelmed and amazed by like how cool a lot of the technologies that everybody has are, but how far the technology has come. Because a lot of times, I think people aren't taking advantage of the technology um, that is available to them that they might even already have access to just because they don't know that it'll do some of the crazy things it'll do. And that's what I'm always interested uh, or amazed by is like how many of these new ideas and these new technological ideas that people are like kind of afraid of or want to investigate are really scalable and really easy to, to handle. Um, as an example, uh, my good friend, Martin Gameltoff from activity stream, right? They activity stream does uh, artificial intelligence. And it's they make create incredible insights, um, and it's like a thousand dollars a month or maybe less, right? Which is like nothing to do it, um, you know. And, and like some of the same thing, like you're talking about with like a CRM and some all these like ways to like section off your tickets or create custom packages. It's all bundled up, you know. And to go back to the idea of creativity that you brought up, it's like it doesn't matter necessarily. And this is where you can smack me around and tell me I'm wrong. But it doesn't necessarily the, – the creativity that you apply doesn't necessarily have to come down to the size of your school or even your staff because the technology is so powerful now that it enables you to be much more creative at a much uh, uh, at a much easier scale for you. Or am I wrong? Am I aware? No. G- generic, generically speaking, that is absolutely true. I mean it, it, it depends on I, – I mean, okay, let's put it this way. The, the staffing still matters to a certain point because you have to have people that know the system that you're using and understand it well enough to be able to. Absolutely, um, I didn't to, mean to, to say that people. No, don't no, matter. absolutely, yeah. no, 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 people absolutely. always matter. But to me, but that's just that's a that's a caveat or, or sort of a variable. There is if you've got someone who who is good with data and understands uh, the software that you're using uh, and uses it well, um, then yeah, absolutely. In theory they are going to be more efficient in what they're the time that they're spending in, in said software. So they're going to theoretically have more time to be more creative and, and to think outside the box and create some of these more flexible things. And yeah, you're right though. The softwares have come a long way and, 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 and let, they're doing the work for you. You know, you just do the work on the front end to get it all set up and, and, and ready to go. But once it's on sale, um, it really is a lot of it's just kind of like let it go, you know, set it and forget it type of mentality. Um, and, and that's what's been so interesting to me when I joined Audience View is seeing um, the platforms that we have, the solutions that we that we can provide are super open and flexible um, and are great for, for a lot of the folks that I talk to are, are saying, you know, hey, I might work at this small school, but we're pushing the envelope here. We want to be the biggest and the best. We want to we want to be in the conversation with these bigger schools that are doing it. Um, what people are saying the best. Um, so you know that, 
and that's really cool to hear because I'm also then able to say, well, that's awesome. Let me show you these, these solutions that we have that can help you do that, that can help you push that envelope and think outside the box. Um, so you're, you're not wrong, but I just think that there's definitely, that's a, that's a more, uh, variable conversation, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been in the most generic way possible because sometimes people come to me with the question of, well, I would love to do this, but I only have, you know, my, my, my department's only six people. And I was like, and I say like, look, that shouldn't stand in, that should not be a barrier now. Right. It's you, 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 you do have a greater capability to deploy a solution, um, and, create value for your customers using technology. And, you know, and that's what's always like really great, you know, to me about what you guys do is because it's extremely customizable, right? You know, because that's like one of the big things I talk about all the time is your customer wants the, you know, they want a customizable experience. They they want an experience that they kind of feel that they can create value and add value to that sort of feels like they've been in, consulted and asked about, um, you know, and that kind of reflects the world they live in. Right. And so that they can buy in the manner that they're comfortable with you know, and, and I'm constantly blown away by how quickly some of these platforms change and evolve and adapt to allow people to do that. And, you know, and all of the stuff, the audience view does that, you know, very, very well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's been a, a good, it's been good for me to have these conversations, and and I we're hearing it from our clients, our our current customers. Um, you know, they they certainly want us to continue to push the envelope and and add new features to our uh, our solutions to make life even better and more efficient for them. And by doing by listening to them and, and making those enhancements, you know, we're going to continue to be on the on the cutting edge. I mean, we already are. You know, we've we've already got great web based solutions. Um, that are easy to use and we've got great people behind them. Um, but continuing to push that envelope, we're going to, we're going to continue to be on the front edge of things. Yeah. yeah super customizable um, and, you know, and, and adaptable, right? Which is like, I think the key to being a technology provider in the year of this in 2018 going into 2019. Yep. Um, you know, but that's just me. Um, even though if I went into a box office and tried to set up anything at this point, um, after having probably not been near a box office since about the year 2000, I'd probably blow the thing up. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, Mike, I want to thank you for doing this. Before we wrap up, how can people find you on the Internet? Oh, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh Michael Hughes, you'll, you'll see me on there. You can send me an email, michael.hughes at audienceview.com. Uh, you can give me a phone call. My number is 720-583-3682. That's 720-583-3682. Um, you know, find me however. I, you know, I'm around. Please feel free to reach out to me. I am... I love having conversations with people. I love talking about what you do and, and want to learn. Frankly, I want to learn more. I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm, I love taking it all in. So find me, hit connect with me, reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation. Yeah. And I would add one thing to this. If you're going to email Michael or call him, be prepared to drop down what your favorite 90s metal grunge music is because he's going to love Yeah. Um, that's definitely a conversation topic. Yeah. Well, Michael, I want to thank you for being on the podcast, man. I'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it, man. It's great to be here. Once again, I want to thank my guest, Michael Hughes from Audience View. Check him out on 
Twitter and visit the Audience Views website. To find out more about what I'm up to, visit my website. It's www.davewakeman.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at David Wakeman. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, if you're going to be at Intix in Dallas at the end of January, find me. I'll be hanging out at the Booking Protect booth. Or I'll be speaking on several panels, including Ask a Consultant, um, How Can We Be More Like Airlines, and I'll be hosting a revenue workshop. And once again, I want to thank my friends at Booking Protect. To find out how working with Booking Protect can allow you to give your customers a better buying experience, more personalized, creates new revenue for you, and offers your customers the most comprehensive refund protection product in the world, visit www.bookingprotect.com. Until next time, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you again soon.